Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you. The Tim Hill Podcasts. Ordinary people's extraordinary stories. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to have a chat with Walt. So Walt, if you could tell me when and where you were born, and then if you can describe what it was like where you grew up, the schools you went to, and the education that you received. Not too many questions in one go, but welcome, Walt. Hey, welcome. Hey, thanks, man. Pardon me. Great to be here. And uh, I grew up in upstate New York, which was farming country, uh, dairy farm. I was born and raised in farming country. My family's farm... I think I was just about one years old when it burnt down. So, like, my parents' farm burnt down. And well, then, uh, responsible, wasn't it? Uh, it was a godsend because I'd still be there farming. <laughs> and my parents, and, and uh, my parents, well, they'll, they'll tell you the same thing <clears throat> now, anyway. At the time, of course, it was a tragedy. But, uh, and my uncle and cousin, and there's a few huge farm, huge farming community, and everything was dairy farms. So you could go down the main, it was Route 46, you could go down 46 and count to five, you'd see a farm, count to five, you'll see another farm, you'd see another farm, it's just constant farming. And uh, so I worked with my uncle a little bit, my cousin mostly, uh, farming until I got into my teens and uh, education. So was this this all sort of um, cattle that you were dealing with, milk, dairy? Dairy, dairy. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, dairy, uh, uh, Holstein. So the, the classic black and white cow that you see. Yep. All right. Yep. 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 Uh, Friesian, we call them. What do you call them? Friesians. Yeah. They're the black yep. and white ones. So, yeah, Holstein, I guess, are the same sort of family. Yep. Good milk producers. Um, you don't, you don't um, breed them for milk. You know, or you don't breed them for, for meat. You breed them for milk. 100%. Yeah, you keep them, you keep them, you basically, you know, you, you breed them so they're, they birth once a year or twice a year, depending on some people. And then that way it keeps, you know, keeps their milk production up high. So, yeah. yeah, And then, and then that was through grade school. I went, you know, when, where I grew up, it was kindergarten through six was in a little elementary school. And you know, is that is that like a uh, like little house on the prairie, sort of a one room school with um, a handful of kids? No. Well, it's actually now that I wow, that's a great question. Actually, now that I think about it, it is one big building. It was one big building, and in the middle was the library, and then the classrooms were on the outside of the library. If you looked out from fourth grade you could see the sixth grade classroom that's how it was set up Hmm. yeah and uh and then our middle school was in a complete different town complete different situation where it was seventh and eighth grade and that was set up to where like high school where you went to class you had to go from one class to the next to the next you know but it was seventh and eighth grade, and then it was nine through twelve in a complete different building in a complete different town. That was my. 
I guess you spent an awful lot of time on the, the big yellow buses when you was a kid. And these kids nowadays have no idea what a freaking <laughs> snow day is. Dude, I used to have to shovel the driveway to get to the school bus. <laughs> so, uh, oh, but yeah, fun. yeah, I lived way out in the country. Uh, most everybody did. And then, uh, yeah, you got bus to the school. Uh, and that's and then, right from kindergarten, was it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so as kindergarten, you, you had to battle your way down a drive to, to get on the big yellow bus to take you to school. 100%, yep. And as I got into, like, fourth and fifth and sixth grade, me and my buddies would ride our bicycles to school. But that was, I think it was six miles one way. And it was Ooh. down, like two-lane country roads so i mean it wasn't flat either Whew, if you ever been up to new york there ain't a flat place in the town i think but uh <laughs> yeah so we would ride our bikes back and forth to school at that time seventh and eighth grade i think in eighth grade some people were driving to school because you could get at that time you could get a permit at 15 and you could start driving by yourself at 16. And some people were 16 years old in eighth grade. But hmm. in ninth grade and 10th grade, I started driving to high school. I had a car. Uh, my parents, growing up, my parents were very adamant that you pull your own weight. You work hard. And they said, by eight, my mom said, 18 years old, man, you're out of the house unless you're going to school, unless you're going to college, we'll pay, you can live here as long as you're continuing your education. Mm. If you're not, if you're out, you're not out by 18, you're paying me rent. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I guess. Good, no. good incentive, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm the youngest of all of us. And I saw that happen like clockwork. Boop, boop, boop. Everybody yeah. was out. I go, well, there's no exception here. And I actually left when I was just 17. Uh, I got my own place. I was working a couple jobs. Uh, you know, my my parents instilled incredible work ethic and responsibility in me. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't – if you don't work for it, man, you ain't getting it. Nobody's mm -hmm. going to do it for you. And I, I've been taught that since I was very, very young, and I still carry that yeah. wholeheartedly now. Well, let's let's just take you back just a little sure. bit. Let's, have, let's, let's just have a look at your middle school. What was uh... – what was that like? Oh, middle school. Remember the presidential? Oh, I don't know. You you probably don't know, but the presidential physical fitness test that you had to do so many push-ups, you had to run a mile within so many minutes, and all that in gym class. I remember that in middle school, seventh and eighth grade. <laughs> and then what was really cool about um, where well, I that went must have been fairly easy for you because if you if you're riding your bike six miles each way to school every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. man. But one thing I did notice in in uh, middle school the the clicks that started happening. So mm -hmm. you had me. I was part of the farmer clique, the country boy clique, because I wore work boots and jeans and a t shirt, and in the winter flannel shirt, and I wore a baseball cap. And of course, they you know you couldn't wear it at school, but I'd wear it to school, leaving my locker. Yeah. <clears throat> but one thing I did like about middle school, they started with like the shop classes. So like 
they had wood shop and they had a mechanical shop. Like, you know, they taught you how to work on cars and mm-hmm. woodworking and stuff. And, and growing up in my environment, most people knew how to do that, but it kind of like fine tuned it. It gave mm. you like an education in it instead yeah. of your dad going, go change oil in the car. And you're like, uh, uh okay. okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, so it, that that's one thing I do remember about middle school was the clicks were starting to form. So you had your guys that your heavy metal guys that listen to heavy metal music, your skateboarder guys, you know, and then of course the girls had all their little clicks too, but that was very, that that's a big memory for me in middle school because mm. that carried that that got carried into me through high school into high school because you know you end up in a different in a building and now you got even more dif- you know uh, different people of all walks of life and I remember my first day and not first day but within the first month of high school ninth grade you would assemble in the in the lobby before the bell would ring. And then you'd go to home, home, whatever class that you were going to go to. Yeah. And I was messing around with some of my friends and I shot a rubber band and it hit this long haired, heavy metal dude. <laughs> and he's like, and Tim, I'm telling you, man, it was the classic meet me after school on the tracks, <laughs> literally on the railroad tracks that ran along the high school <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, I was like, oh God, geez. All right. All right. And we went to, we went out there after school. Of course, everybody's crowded around. Everybody knew about it. Yeah. And I, his name's Matt, Matt. And, uh, by the way, we're still friends to this day, but <laughs> that, that day he's like, you disrespected me, the, the classic stuff. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, we're not fighting, man. This we can this is cool, man. We don't need to do this. And he hits me and I'm like, listen, bud, whatever, man, I got older, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I got older brothers and I I grew up like this, you know? And yeah, I said, listen, we're not fighting. And he hits me again. And I was like, all right, listen, dude, we're not, I told you I'm not fighting, but if you hit me again, I'm not going to sit here and be a punching bag either. And he hits me again. And the next thing I remember, my friends are pulling me off him. <laughs> and I, I gave him a pretty good beat down. And, <clears throat> of course, we end up in the principal's office. And uh, the principal's like, I'm calling your mom. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean. And uh, he goes, your son got in a fight. And my mom goes, did he start it? He goes, nope. He goes, nope. She goes, send him home. I'll take care of it. <laughs> He's like, but click. I mean, and I started getting into some trouble at, at my later time in high school and, and after high school. And I never had to, I never had, the cops never pulled me over. They never did anything to me. They recognized mm. me. They called my mom. So I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking I got away with it. Oh, look at me. I'm big. I'm tough. Look at yeah. that. I got away with it. And I'd come home, Tim. And this is part of the reason I started my show. <laughs> Here she is holding court at the kitchen table, smoking a Pall Mall, drinking coffee. 
When I half closed, where were you tonight? Fuck. Ah, she, she caught me. <laughs> but uh, going back to high school, you know, and, and I went back and went home, of course, after the after all that happened. And same conversation. She's sitting there smoking. She says, did you start it? No, ma'am. You finish it? Uh, I, I guess. I don't know. We're not fighting anymore. <laughs> and she's like, okay. Because growing up, you don't, you know, there was a few things that my mom beat into us. You never get on a motorcycle or any motor vehicle without a helmet. You always respect everybody, especially women. You never hit a woman. And if you don't start a fight, you finish it. Yeah. Those are things yeah. that my parents instilled in me. And then the other one is you pull your own weight, which means you do the work. Yeah. You know, you don't get chores, you, you get them done. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you want something? Well, go work for it. Okay. That's fair enough. Yeah. Because I'm fair that. Yeah. That's, yeah. And, uh, and then high school, I ended up, I believe wholeheartedly, and I'll take responsibility, of course, about some of this. I was not challenged in school. My whole school career, I was not really challenged. Like, I feel they like kind of shucked me to the side. Like, you're not following along the program. See you, dude. And uh, mm -hmm. and I didn't push back really because why? I mean, I was a kid, so like, all right, right. I don't have to do anything then. And my parents were like, if you get solid C's and B's, uh, that's all. That's what we care about because that'll carry you through. Mm -hmm. And they understood that school has its value, but it, I feel that they just shove you through the system, you know, and yeah, I don't really catch a factory. Yeah. And I, I don't really care where Saturn is, so I don't want to sit here and learn about that, you know, <laughs> but, but anyway, and, and, uh, so I went to a trade my last two years of high school I went to a vocational school. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with those. Yeah. Got the right idea. So, so yeah. You, it's, it's, yeah, trade schools is, is where you learn a trade rather than carry on with your academic studies. Uh, correct. Yeah. So yeah. three quarters of the day for my last two years of high school, I uh, went to diesel hydraulic tech. So it kind of fit because – at the time, I was working at a rental store, like uh, where you rented heavy equipment and ladders and, you know, everything from mm. a painter's platform to a full-size excavator. And uh, I figured, oh, that'll, that fits kind of what I'm doing. So I, I got a degree in that. And then when I came out of high school, I had a couple jobs. Uh, I was working at the rental store full-time, probably 60, 65 hours a week. And then at night, I was, uh, what they call it, a head something. Bait. So at a grocery store, you have all the cashiers at the front of the store, right? Mm -hmm. I was the guy in front of all the cashiers making sure they were doing their job and putting this guy on break and making sure she's covered and, you know, doing that logistics. Yeah. So you're supervising. Yeah. So I was doing that at night. And then when I... <clears throat> get off the from the store me and my boys go out drinking and partying 
I'd come in at four o'clock in the morning, get a couple hours of sleep. Then I'd run the rental store all day, go to the supermarket again at night till nine or 10 and then go out again. So crazy. Yeah. And then I was like, man, this is not, this is just, where's the, it's end? not sustainable. A hundred percent. It's not sustainable. A hundred percent. But then I started looking at people in this small town that I grew up in. It's like the earth was flat because when somebody left, they didn't come back. So I'm like, mm. we're, you know, I know the world's a big place. And my parents are always like, this place will always be here. Get out of here. Go, you know, explore. If you ever want to come back, you can come back. And uh, <clears throat> I got an opportunity when I was 20 to go to Colorado. So from upstate New York to Colorado. And I left upstate New York, got to Colorado, and in a couple weeks I started working for Coca-Cola. And I put 18 years in out in Colorado with Coca-Cola. I put a full career in there. Uh, so what were you doing with Coke? So I first started uh, – my official title was merchandiser, right? So these tractor trailers would go to Walmart. I don't know, like your big supermarkets out over there. Yeah, and we, they, well, Walmart is here, but it's it's under a different name. It's Asda. So uh, okay, yeah, but they, so we got a, we got big supermarkets like that. Okay, and then what they would do is dump a whole tractor trailer load of Coke product in the back room. And then my job was to go to that supermarket, pull everything out of the back room, and uh, stock it on the shelves so the consumer could get it. And that's what I start. That's what I started with. And then, all right, because uh, norm normally the, the 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 shop guys would be doing that. The guys in the shop would be stocking the shelves. Yeah, uh, out in Colorado, that was the vendor's uh, responsibility to shop or to stock it. Yeah, mm. and then. Uh, I was like, and I'm I'm super physical. I love sports. I've been playing sports my whole life. And, well, once I moved to Colorado, I was. And then I go to the gym. I just like it, you know, being physical. But I realized really quick, stocking those stores, if I was going to make a career, because at that time, you're an older gentleman. It, you know, 25 years ago, no, you you get into a company and you do a good job and you stay there for 40 years and you, you get a pension. You know, that was the mindset, you know, mm. that even my dad and my parents are like, oh, good. Coca-Cola is a good company. You can work for them. You got retirement, insurance, you know, that type of attitude. So when I'm stocking shelves, I'm in it a couple of years. I'm like. Man, if I'm going to put 20 years in this joint, <laughs> I can't be doing this physical stuff, you know? And uh <clears throat> and I was young. I was like, you know, 21, 22, mm -hmm. but I just realized, okay, so if I'm 35, you know, I got some years in looking way ahead. Yeah. If I'm 35, do I do I really want to be doing this, you know? So I got into sales and then just worked my way up through in sales uh and ended my career and what they call cold drink and what that is, is like bars and restaurants, you know, how they have like the fountain drinks, like a bar yeah. would pull the gun and yeah. uh, 
I would go to bars and restaurants to serve competitive product and be like, hey, you need to switch to Coke. You know, do that. And um, yeah. So let's just take it back a little bit there. Sure. Um, sports. So during during school, were you sporty? And did that, did that come through during your school days or did it just stop manifesting itself when you got to Colorado? It, it, uh, in Colorado, because when I was in school, I was working all the time. Uh, mm. I tried, I tried my hand at wrestling, but the people that depended on me for my job are like, Hey dude, you got to be here before that time. You you know, and I was making, and I was making really good money for as young as I was. So that was a pretty good driver. Uh, and then I got to Colorado and I got introduced to a lot of sports uh, racquetball, uh, football, uh, broomball. You guys familiar with broomball? No, never. So, so uh, if anybody's if anybody's a hockey fan but can't skate, broomball is what it is. It's ex- it's exactly it's exactly like hockey. Same rules, same positions, same goal. You know, same theory. Yeah. But you got basically a chuck, a converse shoe with a pad on the bottom and a ball about a little bigger than a softball. And then your quote-unquote hockey stick doesn't have a slash on it. It's got a little rectangle pad on the bottom. And then you play exactly like you would hockey. And uh, Without the skates. But without the the skates, you got to like physically run on the ice. And the shoes kind of give you traction. They don't, but you get to learn. You get to learn how to, yeah, you get to, you get to learn how to use your body weight and slide around and, and there's, there's tactics to where you slide on your knees and hand pass Mm. and that kind of stuff. But I was on a traveling team and I traveled all over the country competing in that. We had a lot of fun. It was super, Mm. super fun. And then, uh, so did uh, did Coca-Cola give you the time off to do that? Uh, once it was a, a community event. No, uh, I did it in my free time. And then, if anybody listening knows about hockey and ice rinks, excuse me, do you know that you can't get cheap ice because you got to rent an ice rink to practice and to play? Yeah, you can't get cheap ice unless it's one o'clock in the morning. So a lot of times that stuff was late at night. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, time off was. No big deal. Uh, by that time, I had years in at Coke, and I was getting five, six weeks of vacation at a time. So mm. it was it was easy. And then uh, uh, I was I uh, practiced and taught martial arts for almost ten years while I was out in Colorado. All uh, right, yeah, that was but the old jab slap, eh? That was so instrumental. Uh, and getting me back on the right track. I was kind of losing my way uh, with the people I was hanging out with and the things that I was doing. And I was interested in martial arts, but I didn't want to be in like this school where there's 50 people and you kick for half an hour and then they, okay, you're done. And like, what the hell? I don't want to do that. <laughs> so I was asking around and I ended up <clears throat> meeting this young kid Uh I call him a kid now, but he was—he was not the karate kid. No, no. Wax on, wax off. 
No, that see, that's what was cool about this dude. He was just straight, straight up. He didn't do all that crazy. He's like, but he did like you're doing forms, and he'd have a stick, and if you weren't right, he'd whack you with it, you know. And uh, I learned a lot, Tim. I learned a lot about just life in general. Like one day I came in pissed, just really upset, and I wanted to fight. And him and I, I've been training under him for years at this point. And I come in and I threw my bag down. He's like, what's up, dude? I go, you and I are sparring, man. Come on, let's go. He's like, all right. (laughs) And... I'm a I'm a bit I'm I'm, I'm a I could say what's happened to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a big guy and I was even bigger then. I mean, and we get on the mat and he's about my height, but he's this little rail he's real skinny. <laughs> and I go to backhand him, and the next thing I know, Tim, in a flash, I'm on the ground on my back and he's got me in an arm bar and my vision is blurring because he's choking me out. And I was like, oh, that was a good lesson. That was a super good lesson. <laughs> he, I, with my arm extended out and I'm six one with my arm extended out, he grabbed my arm and he was six. He's six, two. He jumped up still holding on my arm wrapped his legs around my neck and slammed me to the ground, slammed me to the mat like that. Like, boom. I was like, all right. Well, I know my, my place in the food chain, but yeah, it's, it's, it was a good lesson because, you know, I, you know, I thought I was big and badass at that point. You know, I thought Mm -hmm. I was this, this awesome dude and I could get my way out of anything and really humbling Tim, really humbling it, you know, and, and those little instances like that come out and, uh, you know, they, they, uh, so. So you mentioned football. So is that American football? Yes, sir. Uh, mm. there was a, a friend of mine at the time, he was overweight and he wanted to, uh, uh, we had these leagues, city leagues and state leagues, and he wanted to lose some weight and he wanted to play football. And I said, all right, I'll go, I'll, I'll support you, man. I'll go help you out. And we went for, it was open tryouts, you know, cause it was like a state league and, uh, he gets, you know, he gets put on the, the team and the coach was like, don't you want to play? And I'm like, nah, dude, I'm here. And he's like, ah, oh, play. And my buddy's like, come on, play with me. And I'm like, all right. So I played a little bit on the offensive line. Uh, again, you know, I'm a little bigger guy. So he put me on the offensive line and, and, uh, one day the defensive end didn't show up. And, uh, I don't know how much you know about American football. Well, not fair, man. I've okay. played it in my past. Oh, nice. So he goes, wow, you want to play defensive end? I go, dude, I ain't got a clue what that means, but sure. I go, give me a couple pointers. Cause at the time, you know, I watch football yeah. here and there, but. He goes, seal the corner, make sure the play ain't coming your way. If that doesn't happen, kill the quarterback. Okay. I'll do that. That's that's a good point. I I played outside linebacker and defensive end. Do you know what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. So 
I was I was using drugs at the time, and I don't know if you know uh, 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 my, uh, the classic Giants linebacker uh, Taylor. Oh, What's that? Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor. And I would use before we'd play, and I became one of those guys. It was basically – you know, back country football for me. Like I would tackle the quarterback and like step on his chest to get up or grab his face mask and slam his head into the ground and talking crap the whole time, talking about his mom and his sister. And, but that was just my, that was just my thing about that. But it, I played like that for a while, uh, in the league. And then, uh, I got out of that league because it just got, unorganized and it was just weird Hmm. but a guy says hey man try rugby i was like all right give me some pointers and he's like just come out and try it you know just come out and play i'm like all right oh dude that didn't last long those guys are (laughs) nuts man (laughs) what are you all about rugby's a brilliant guy i i I love the sport absolutely love the sport and i have all the respect for those guys that play at that kind of level holy man Oh. I played for a lot of years. Did you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I started in school, and I, I played my last game for the Royal Anglian Vets when I was fifty-six. Oh, good for you, dude. That is so cool. I love to I hear that, a, man. I was a scrum half. Hey, what? Hey, dude, you're out there playing, that though, right? That was that's fun. Playing scrum yeah. half is a great place. I mean, you can be gobby and all sorts, and you get a ball, you stick it in the scrum. What they do with it? Now, not quite sure. Pops out. <laughs> You Here you go. You, you're pushing people around. You take that. You take that. Oh, yeah. I have that. I was. I was years and years ago. I was watching. You know, me and my buddies were in a bar. You know, and we were watching rugby. And it's super fun to watch. It's even, yeah. as you know, it's even better in live. Oh my god! Yeah. What that is the crowd. Oh my god! So much fun. But we were watching it. And a guy got a penalty for sticking his finger up the other guy's butt. I was like, come on. I remember that. But I I played with these this group and they they would compete like with another team once a week. Okay. And he's like, We practice twice a week. I said, Okay, so three times a week. All right, cool. I can get down with that. And the first practice this other team showed up and I'm like, aren't we practicing? He goes, yeah, that's how we practice. We just play another team. (laughs) So you compete three days a week. You don't practice twice a week and play. You compete three days a week. And he's like, yeah, I was like, Oh, all right, I'll try it. It didn't last long, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Those guys, that's a God bless. Godspeed, dude. Good for you, man. 56 getting out there. You have to be a bit fit. I mean, yeah. I was starting to slow down, so occasionally I get scragged. <laughs> I was getting scragged more often. I think it was even me slowing down or a number eight slowing down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's supposed to look after me, and he never did. <laughs> no, no, no. That's uh, And then uh, I dated this girl. So I grew up in upstate New York, and Syracuse University is a big university up there. Uh, mm. And lacrosse is a big game. Is a big uh, sport for that's them. Dangerous game, that is. Dude, 
Playbook girls. That's savage. Savage. (laughs) Savage. I thought I was a savage football player. These guys made me look like a five-year-old girl playing with Barbie dolls, man. These guys. So this girl I was dating, you know, she's like, hey, my brothers play. I'm like, all right, I'll play, you know, no problem. I get out there and I look like a fool. No problem. I don't know what I'm doing, you know, but my heart's in it and I'm having a good time. It was super fun, super fun. But it's like soccer. I, I weigh 260 pounds. I am not built to run like that. No, no. <laughs> but I, I've given it a go. You know, I'm doing the best I can. Well, come to find out, her brother, who I was playing with, older brother, and her dad have their mural painted at Syracuse University because they're so good at lacrosse. And I'm like, state champions or U.S. champions. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) so basically you gave me a Honda Civic and you told me to go into Formula One racing. That's what you basically did to me. And she's like, yeah, you all right. (laughs) I had fun. I had fun doing it. So I would I would mess around with those guys quite a bit. So every every night uh, and I thought it was great with my martial arts that my instructor to hold the position that I had, you had to be CPR certified. You had to write two theses a year. You had to volunteer like quote unquote soup kitchen volunteer. you like, you had to go do something. Mm-hmm. You had to have so many hours a month doing that. And then of course you had to teach classes for the school and know your stuff. So that kept me, that alone kept me really busy, but I was going, Tim, I'd get out of work. I'd go to the gym. I'd go to martial arts. I'd hang out with my buddies for dinner. I'd go practice broom ball. I'd come home and start all over again. I mean, that was my, that that was a long time. Sounds sounds like you kept you out of a little bit of mischief anyway. No, nowhere near. And chasing girls, you know, had to chase girls, dude. Whew. Oh, yeah, wow, that doesn't that comes naturally, right? Hmm. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, sports were a big thing. I I see the value, you know. I know the value in in team sports and and that type of thing. That's why I want to get my son into stuff. Obviously, if he's interested, I'm not going to cram it hmm. down his throat. But uh, you know, I want to have some kind of pads on him as soon as possible. You know the camaraderie, the teamwork. Yeah. Somebody yeah. other than somebody other than me yelling at them. You know, the communal yeah. thing where if adult tells you not to do something, you just got to listen to him. You know, he's not being, she's not he or she's not being mean. They don't want you to do that. Yeah. You know. So just trying to teach them like that. Like growing up, I'd get yelled at by the butcher in the grocery store, and I'd come back to my mom. <laughs> he's yelling at me she's like well you probably deserve it <laughs> all right well no sympathy from yeah. you so i guess i'm moving on but yeah that's uh you know uh and uh, as work goes when i was in my 12th year and i remember this because i typed it up when i was working with coca-cola in my 12th year of uh employment <clears throat> I typed up my resignation letter 
dating my higher date at my 20 years. No matter what, I was leaving at 20 years. I didn't care what was going on. And my coworkers and my friends, they're like, well, you don't have anything going on. I go, something's coming up. Something's going to happen. I'll get an opportunity. And I had a side gig. I was a security guard and a bouncer at night. Uh, and I made Tim stupid money. It was crazy how much money I was making with those gigs. So I was making good money at Coke. I was making good money doing that. So I was like, you know what? Something's going to come up. And year 18, a friend of mine out in New Jersey. So I'm in Colorado out in New Jersey had a, a video photo production team, uh, company. So they made like commercials and, and uh, uh, TV shows and that kind of thing. She was really small at the time. She was like a one-person, maybe two-person gig. And she Uber, she still is. We're great friends even to this day. But she go, she's like, I love producing content. I don't like doing the business part, like going out and looking for business. Mm. I'm like, hey, man, that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years, man. I know how to do that. <laughs> and I was like, this is a perfect opportunity. Gave my gave my notice at Coca Cola. Two years early. Two, two years, years early. Two years did early. You have to change the date on it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I made a big deal out of it too. I put some white out on it. It was great. <laughs> but uh, it was a good opportunity. She had something kind of established. She was still real young, year and a half old or something. And we joined in, uh, joined together, and worked 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 it we worked 15 hours a day seven days a week and that's no exaggeration i was completely unhappy in my marriage at the time to, that's my first wife so it made it easy for me to be like i'm going to work oh i'll stay here and work on this oh i'll go do that project because i didn't want to go home mm. uh and two years to the date her and i ended up uh, in the studio. Cause you have to, once you film, you got to bring the stuff back and back it up. And you know, we don't want to lose it. And we just both, it was a Sunday night and we've just both crashed out on the studio floor. And we're like, something's got to change using your words that you said earlier. It was not sustainable, not mm -hmm. sustainable for to, to work that hard. And, uh, we made some adjustments and then we ended up being extremely successful uh business do dove a little bit but we were building a team ended up with 10 11 people i think 12 people i think at one point employees making really good money and then it just something about it wasn't in my heart anymore i just and i said you know people depend on me and i, I can't phone it in it's not I don't feel right with these people, with the people that depend on me. So we ended up dissolve, basically dissolving the company. Uh, I left. She still has the company, but it's micro compared to what it was. Mm. And uh, I ended up getting back in the corporate world uh, with U-Haul, uh, the moving company. Yep. Yep. And I, uh, I'm an area field manager which 
when I got, I came home from uh, the video company one day, Tim, and I, I told my wife now, and I go, I got, I got to get out. I, I, I'm just not in it. It's not a good environment for me emotionally, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. Without even thinking, she grabs a scrap piece of paper, throws it in front of me, gives me a pen and goes, write down 12 things you want out of a job. And I was like, huh? She goes, come on, man, write, 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 write. And like force me to, you know, jot mm. it down. So come to find out, we talk about it later. When you don't think about it and you write it down, it's more true to your heart, right? Because it's there. So yeah. I write down 12 things just real quick. And the job that I'm in hits on 11 of them. So the like, I think the 10th thing I wrote was I want to wear shorts to work every day. Because <laughs> I'm the guy in the middle of the winter, I got shorts and a hoodie on. It could be 10 below and I got shorts and a hoodie on. I mean, I'm just that guy. So I'm like, that'd be great if I could wear shorts to work every day. And my brother says, hey, man, there's this area field management position at U-Haul. I think you'd be really good at it. So I looked into it and uh, ended up there. And it's, I don't punch a clock. I bounce shorts in the window. <laughs> I wear shorts seven days a week, my friend, every day. I don't think I can even remember. At our Christmas party for work, I wore shorts. <laughs> I wore a dress. They look kind of dressy and I had a button up shirt on people like you wore shorts every day, man, <laughs> every day. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, now I'm, 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 uh, I, I can't even, there's even, there's no words to describe how happy that I am with my position in my job. Uh, I got an absolute rock star for a, a wife. She is just, she just, and I got a beautiful, I got a beautiful 15 month old son, man. He's just, mm. you know, I'm 47 years old chasing a 15 month old around. And that dude Ooh. keeps, yeah, exactly. He yeah, wore me out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He wore me out yesterday, bud. And I loved every minute of it, but man, I was like, Oh dude, get just bottle. Can I bottle some of that? <laughs> I could use some of that, dude. But, uh, a uh, story that I don't know if you, we talked about it before, but uh, I, when I was with the video company, I ended up paralyzed uh, for two weeks from my waist down. I woke up in the middle of the night, couldn't feel my, from my waist down, That's my scary. back, uh, my back just kind of all these activities we've been talking about. We ain't even got into the motorcycle crashes yet, right. but, uh, all the activities and stuff, my, my back just gave out. But, uh, these, these people that lay in a, in the hospital that can't move or, uh, yeah, I, I got a, I got just a respect. I've always had a respect for him, but now mm. I lost it. I completely lost it. Uh, every night. I mean, I basically cried myself to sleep every night. And then what, and I wouldn't tell my wife that I cried to sleep. I just pretend everything was cool. And then the day before my surgery, I lost it. Just, she held me and I cried, dude. I, my body hurt. I cried so hard, but mm. 
I came out. Now I can deadlift 500 pounds and, and run a 30 minute 5k. So <laughs> life is so good. Life up. is good. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk about some motorbikes. I like motorbikes. What was your first bike? Uh, when did you start riding motorcycles? Ooh, way well, dirt bikes. Uh, I had a Suzuki. 225 that i couldn't straddle so i would put one leg up on the seat and rev it and get in motion and then jump on the seat and then i would <laughs> ride that around so that's when i started riding dirt bikes but my family and my dad especially we had four wheelers dirt bikes uh snowmobiles every kind of motor vehicle recreational vehicle you can imagine we were messing with and um uh, then of course got street bikes right and mm. growing up i was always a yamaha fan everything i owned was a yamaha i think i owned a honda four-wheeler once because i got a really good deal on it but mm -hmm. uh so did you did you ever have a uh something like an rd350 a what an RD three hundred and fifty RD three Yamaha, RD the, uh, the two stroke. Yeah, the old yellow and black one. Well, I don't know what color you had them in, but um, yeah, they, they the the RD tended to be the sort of the race replica. Yep, and it was yep. a two stroke, and we yep. used to scream and nuts off of it. Oh yeah, uh, I had a YZ for a while, YZ one twenty five. That mm. thing just. Set your hair on fire. That thing would go so fast, dude. <laughs> but uh, uh, then I had four. The four wheelers I always ran were like racing four wheelers, two strokes. I had a lot of two stroke four wheelers as well. Uh, that no problem, motorbikes, though, are they? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> and my my dad got my dad and my older brother got into enduros for a long time. So the on-off, mm -hmm. kind of what adventure bikes are now. Back yeah. in the day, they were an enduro, right? Yeah. Uh, I never really got into those because once I turned 16, I got into speed. So I had all, all the inline four racing bikes and crashed those and did all <laughs> that. And and then uh, uh, got into the V-Twins, which I, I love a good V-Twin, dude. And my, my dad and I, once a year for many years, we would go for a week or even a little longer and we would travel somewhere. And the last one that I, that we did, we'd leave, we left upstate New York and we went under the Great Lakes up into Canada around the Great Lakes and came home. Uh, that was, that was, uh, super cool. I, I just really enjoyed spending time with my dad like that. You know, I so remember was camping or was that uh, in, in log cabins or. Yeah. It, it, a combination, motels. combination of motels and tent, depending on the weather. Uh, <laughs> I remember we got poured on for days and <laughs> we got into this laundromat in this little town and my dad, <laughs> God bless him, dude. Strips right down to his underwear. So he's right in his tidy whities <laughs> sitting in the so, 
He, he's doing a Levi advert, is he? Hundred <laughs> percent, dude. Not a care in the world. Tidy whities everything's in the fr- freaking dryer, and he's got the and he's got the newspaper. Read it like he's in the diner. Not not a care in the world, dude. And I'm like, what? So, uh, I remember that. That was fun. And then one night we end up at this restaurant. And she's like. We only have this one table left, and it was the sweetheart table. So it was like heart shaped, <laughs> and it was really small. And we, we had we made fun with that. And uh, but we have a lot of I have so many great memories of riding motorcycle. I've been in every state except for Louisiana, Alaska, and Hawaii on a motorcycle. I've made it a point to travel and ride through and not just like jump the border and come back. No, we got into the state and we had some time, maybe stopped and had lunch, you know, whatever it may be. But uh, I've been to Sturgis, uh, Bike Week down in uh, Florida, uh, you know, rode the coastal highway. And I tell you, Tim, if you ever get a chance, if you haven't, you might have seen it. Yellowstone National Park. Is that where Yogi Bear lives? Yep. Boo Boo. Yep. 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 That guy stole my lunch, dude. (laughs) 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 And uh, and, uh, going through there is like being on another planet. It's all bubbling and smells like sulfur and what it looks like, especially on a motorcycle, as you know, you can feel the the difference yeah. in the yeah, air pressure and, and yeah yeah and uh just there's some beautiful places around the united states that i think people take for granted they think they gotta travel the world and it's like man if you just travel around the united states you're gonna see some things that don't think they don't look like they belong here you know mm. they they belong like on another planet you know uh but been all over the country on a motorcycle and just love it so much man and Mm. and uh we were talking earlier my last bike and i had this at in colorado before i moved i had the raider yamaha raider which is a huge v-twin yeah and i put big 18 inch apes on it and and uh moved the pegs and the big fat back tire and and it was a single seater so Mm. My next thing I was going to do to it was Put a sidecar on it. No, no. <laughs> so, Wait, take, take the wife and kids then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But no, uh, put a, a suicide shift on it. You know what those are? No, it's a hand. So you know how on a on a motorcycle you pull in the clutch with your hand and you yeah. shift gears with your foot, right? Yeah. No, a suicide shift is a lever that comes up by your leg where you normally would shift and it's a hand clutch and you move the lever like you're driving a stick shift. All right. So you got to, then you're only operating. We used to have them on bikes years ago. Um, An old Veloset. We had um, a hand hand start and hand gear change on it. No kidding. How big a bike was that? It was a, it's what the old police used to ride. It was a two two hundred uh, cc. It's uh, 
yeah, it's a fella set, it's called. Uh, and it was all boxed in. And there was a hand gear change and a hand start on it. And it oh, was yeah, a real <laughs> proper challenge to change right down there. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. And that, and that's what I was going to Have you ever driven one with a yeah, yeah. hand yeah, shift? So, so I had this, this, this fella set. Oh, you owned one? Yeah, it was it was from oh, early fifties. Yeah, he didn't like a long, 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 long time ago. They had a like... Villiers engine in it. But, a what? Um, a what kind? A Villiers engine. engine. Villiers. Where's that? Where was that manufactured? It's an English one. English made in oh. England. Yeah. Oh, okay. So most of I mean, I've had I don't know how many motorbikes over the years, but um, I've, I used to have an awful lot of. English bikes. I mean, I had a, a Rudge Ulster, a 500cc Rudge Ulster. Um, I had an Aerial Square 4. My first motorbike was a, a BSA A10 Gold Flash uh, with a sidecar on it. Oh. Uh, I used, to, used to run that around the farm. Um, yeah, I had a Triumph Trophy, 250 Triumph Trophy. Um, and then I got uh, into Japanese bikes. I had a, a 250 Honda. Then I had a, a 380 uh, Suzuki GT380, which is a, oh. a, a two-stroke. Yep, and, yep. And I thought I'd been clever. Uh, so I upgraded that to the 550. Oh, that was a mistake. <laughs> I used to used to get about 15 miles to the gallon out of this, this 550 two-stroke. Yeah, it was a real thirsty beast. Yeah, and yeah. And then, then I got the, the GS750. Um, and that was that was a terrific bike, and I had that for a while. And then I traded that in when the the GS eight fifty came out because that had a shaft drive on it. Mm-hmm, Didn't have a chain, mm-hmm. had a shaft drive, mm-hmm. and it's so smooth um, compared with the the old six fifty BMW I had, which was, which was a killer. <laughs> you dare change down if there's anything killed over at all. You had to change down in a straight line because the back wheel would judder. And, and step oh, out. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, gear change on it. Yeah, that's what and they. The Suzuki what, was brilliant for that. I mean, drop down two gears as you cranked right over. And yeah, no, solid, solid as a rock. Now, what is it with a? Okay, with a. I see if you you correct me if I'm wrong. I know that a shaft drive pushes down when you throttle or gear but a chain pulls up yeah something like that is that am i if i can remember that right because once i got a v-twin shaft driven bike i was like there ain't no going back this is this is crazy (laughs) Whoa, this is amazing but my uh big uh my big um radiant the big bike i had before i left that was belt driven so yeah Seen those? I've never really fancied a belt-driven bike. So I've got I've got a twelve hundred Multistrada at the moment, and that's uh, uh, and that's doing me well. I mean, we've done I don't know nearly thirteen thousand miles on it. Um, oh. I've taken it around Europe. Um, we've done several tears around the UK on it. So it's a it's a it's a fine weather bike. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like riding in the wet anymore. <laughs> no, so wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not a fair weather bike. You're a fair weather rider. 
Yeah, that's probably more to it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, back back in the day, dude, I would ride in anything. I remember my buddy and I coming across Wyoming, and we were physically following a plow truck in the snow. And I'm like, what are we doing, dude? Why are we out here? Now, you know, as I got older, I was like, nah, dude, If is it nice out? Yeah, yeah, we'll go riding. Is there a chance of rain? Forty <laughs> percent chance of rain. Nah, I'm not going right. But uh, my, my mate has a really good story when uh, when I was in uh, in the army in Gillingham in Kent. Um, I arrived back one late one Sunday night, and uh, it had been snowing. It was freezing cold, and, uh, and and I stopped outside the block, and I couldn't put my feet down. I couldn't move. I just went donk. <laughs> oh! Anyway, the guys oh. came out, and it took them about five minutes to stop laughing before they'd help me up. Oh, yeah, dude. I'd be taking pictures and everything else before I helped you up, man. I'm that guy. I'm that friend. I'll help you, but I'll yeah. be picking on you. It's, yeah, that was – Yeah, he, he tells – he takes pleasure in telling that story oh. <laughs> all the time. We, we were coming back from Las Vegas – to get to Colorado and you got to go over a 14,000 foot mountain pass. And there was a snowstorm on the mountain. And my buddy and I decided to throw the two bikes in the back of a U-Haul and, and haul them back. And when we crested that mountain with the snow and I'm like, good thing we're this in the back of the truck. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, and, and uh, the bike you have now, what drive is on that? What's your drive system? It's chain, chain. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a twelve hundred uh, V twin. It's a Ducati. I mean, it's, it's a gorgeous bike. Oh, Ducati makes. Oh my god, I love, makes, I oh. love my Ducatis. I just, so I just sold my. Uh, I had a, a track day bike, which is a a Ducati seven four nine S that I used to take to the tracks. Yeah, uh, yeah for and sure. It was so much fun. Horrible, horrible thing to ride on the road. I, <laughs> It's, yeah, it's a beast on a road. Um, on the track, it just came alive. And, uh, yeah, it got really throwing around on the track. It just stuck to the track like, uh, like it was going out of fashion. Now, you uh, did you trailer that to the track and then ride it, or did you ride no, it to the track? I rode it to the track. Ah, my I man. Ragged <laughs> it around all day and then rode it home again. <laughs> my... Uh... My dad says the only thing that belongs on a trailer is horses and race cars. Yeah. So you see those guys trailering motorcycles, but I don't know. Sometimes I, there's times I'm riding and they'd ride by me with them on the trailer. And I'm like, oh, depends on where they're taking them and what they're going to do. If, if, if it's racing, then, then yeah, yeah I can yeah. see the point of doing that. But if you're just going for a track day, then yeah, you ride it there. Ride ride it. It back. Is that one of the, is that that have suspension on that if you that if you rolled yeah, over? It's, it's it's all adjustable suspension, and I mean you get it set up for yourself, and uh, and that's why it was just a pig on the road. It was just yeah. horrible on the road. It just it was set up for the track really, and and I had it. I mean the the forks dampening was done right. The 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 rear spring was set to the right, uh, just to stick. On a, on the track, yeah, for um, sure. It was just horrible, horrible on the road. <laughs> you run over a nickel, you know it's heads or tails, right? 
Absolutely. Yeah, feel every bump in the road. <laughs> oh, God. And I almost, I almost, because so after the suicide shift, my plan was to take my seat off my bike and put an old metal tractor seat on it with a spring. Look at that face. I love your face. Love it. Yeah. And, then, that. Yeah. and then make <laughs> and then make it a hardtail. So then the only suspension would be the little seat, right? Oh. And then I rode somebody's hardtail and I was like, nah, that ain't never good. happening. That ain't never <laughs> happening. I like that big fat shock holding my ass up. <laughs> so yeah. that uh and then it just handling uh, a hardtail, you can't, no. you can't corner or nothing with it. I mean, it's it's horrible, horrible. I don't know why yeah. anybody would want a hardtail. It just, it just no. doesn't make sense to me. But bizarre uh, behavior, if you ask me. It's what bizarre behavior. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's like a show bike, and yeah, I, I get that part. But if you're riding it at all. Yeah, I just don't. Yeah, I just don't. And then they put the like extended forks out. You yeah. know, I was trying to, I was trying to keep my bike at a performance based as well. Because, dude, I like ripping corners, man. I like, you know, I love grinding my my front pegs and yeah. and touching the ground. You know, you come around a corner yeah, and you, yeah, you lean you lean out and you can actually rub your gloved hand down on the pavement. You know, I just. That was cool. So I was trying to get that that rat ride look where it looks like it's falling apart. Like I had my, uh, I had my uh, yeah yeah. I had I had my exhaust all all taped up and flat paint and just I tried to get it that look right, you know. Mm. But I still needed that performance out because I just love to ride. I mean, there's yeah. there is nothing like riding, man, and and. And people asked, you know, when I crash, they're like, how come you could ride again? And it's like the times between each crash. They're fun. It, it's fun. Right. Look at the experience and the people that I've met and the places I've gone and the things I've done uh, between each crash. If I, if I quit riding, I wouldn't have those experience, you know, and the whole high risk, high reward thing, I guess. But, that, you know, that's. That's not not quite the same in an RV, is it? Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> no, unless you break and, the wind, unless you break the windshield out of the RV. Say <laughs> so, so, so anybody can have comfort. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just there's some, it, and people ask me all the time on my show, and and like we're talking about it here, and they'll say, "What is it about it?" And I'd be like, "Yeah, I, I can't." I can't give you an accurate description that would justify what it is. There's a sense of freedom that you have that I just can't, you know, yeah. and I would tell my wife, I go during the ride, I would solve all the world's problems. I had a solution for everything. And as soon as, <laughs> as soon as I got pulled in the garage and I put the kickstand down, gone, I forgot everything yeah. I thought about, you know? And, uh, Yeah. Oh, here's a here's a fun motorcycle story. I had my my uh, Radian, the one of the apes and stuff, and I just got the the tank painted and the back fender painted, and it had a a dull paint on it, but it you know it was a proper paint job. Hmm. And I I normally you know I wear contacts, 
so when I'm riding on my bike, I would have a pair of clear safety glasses, right? Because the way I had my bike set up, my leather coat was wrapped up like old school 70s stuff on the handlebars. And I would put my clear glasses. So during the day, I'd wear sunglasses. At night, I'd put my clear glasses on. Well, we got drinking at a bar and things were happening and the sun went down and I said, oh boy, I got to get home. I came, I came through town and again, my bike is really, really, really loud. And I stop at that light and we, I think we talked about before. I don't know if I mentioned it when I put my yeah, 18 inch, eight, eight, well, no, my 18 inch apes on. I didn't put the return spring on my throttle, (laughs) right? So here I am in a condition that I shouldn't be in riding a motorcycle. I roll up to the stoplight and I'm sitting there and I didn't return the throttle back to what it was. I just pulled the clutch in and pulled, (laughs) pulled, you know, pulled to the stop and I was, again, I was in a condition I shouldn't be. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh. And I turned the throttle down. And I hear this woman going, hey, hey. And I'm like looking around. And I got my sunglasses on because I forgot my clear glasses. That's why I told you about that. And this lady's jaywalking across the intersection. And you could tell she's probably in the same condition I am. <laughs> Without even asking. She sits on my back fender, wraps her legs around my waist, and goes, I need a ride home. (laughs) I was like, I got to get out of here. Again, I'm in no condition to ride. My bike's loud, and I don't need to make a scene. So I just take off. And, Tim, the first thing I thought of, I looked down because she had high heels on. I looked down. I'm like, man, you scratched my paint. Anyway. (laughs) So she's like, turn here, turn here, turn here. You know, we get to her house, right? So I pull up next in front of her house and I'm like, you just need to go away in my mind, you know? And I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is bizarre. And she's like, Hey, you know, thanks for the ride. You want to come in? And just as she says that, Tim, just like out of a movie, boom, the front door kicks open. Some dude comes walking out of the porch. Who are you? You know, of course he uses all sorts of crazy language. Her, her left foot just cleared my seat. Brown. I took off, man. I just, I left a, I left a treadmark and everything. I was like, I'm out of here. And I, I pull into my garage and I, you know, I got jeans and my, and I had a work shirt on and I had my leather coat or my leather vest on. Cause I always wore a leather vest and I'm like, Oh geez. I smell like this cheap perfume. Wow, man, I got to go into my house. There's my wife, and she's going to be like, what the hell is going on? Dude, I stripped right down to my T-shirt, and I, like, sat out in the garage for a minute, and I'm like, I'll leave everything out here. Hopefully, I don't smell too bad. And what a crazy – that was – my my buddy, Mike, uh, he rode with me for years and years and years, and he he's a, a Indian fan. He loves Indian oh. – but loves Indian bikes. Um. Uh, but uh, there was another story with a woman that kind of like that, but she was she was a little on the heavy side, and she did the same thing to me. And my buddy Mike <laughs> will not let me down about that one. It's, 
He's to, still to this day. He's still, he's like just over the weekend. Cause I told him a funny story yeah. about my son. He's like, yep. Just like his dad getting in trouble with him. I'm like, ah, oh, geez, dude, let it go. But yeah, motorcycles are great, man. I just, yeah. I, you know, and, and people get scared of them. And even when we crashed with my wife, you know, we crashed on the four Oh five in LA and, and people are like, will you ride again? And she's like, if the bike worked, we would have been gone down the road right now, you know? And she'll get right on. She trusts me and she gets yeah. right on the, you know, she get right on a bike and, but yeah, I love motorcycles, man. They're they're It's in my blood. Uh, and I've had so many motorcycles like yourself, you know, I could sit here and rip them off too. And, and uh, one question I do have for you, some of them older English bikes, were those two strokes or were they always been four stroke? Um, there were a few two strokes. Um, I had a BSA Bantam. That was a, a 175. They did a 150. They were two strokes. Um, there were the Triumphs and BSAs. They tend to be four strokes. Four strokes, yeah. Yeah, there was there was a there was a mix. But uh, did you have to... the, the the sort of BSAs Nortons? They tended to be four strokes, four strokes. twins. Yeah, yeah. Okay, singles. And on those uh, uh, two strokes, did they have an oil reserve, or did you have to mix the oil? No, back in them days, you had to mix it. Yeah, that's what Castro, I was wondering. <laughs> Castrolol. Yeah. You had to give it a shake before you started it, else you'd just get oil on it. Oh, because my God. Think, uh, all that, all yeah, what you just said. Smoke like it's going out of fashion. Yeah, at least they got rid of them. Castrolol was a, a lovely smell. Oh, all that stuff just was going through my head, but I'm like, I'm going to ask him because I know he's going to talk about that. Oh. <laughs> That old two-stroke stuff, man. You had, you had. I remember in the in our garage in our shed, we had mixed, and you had straight. Yeah. You know, you had a five-gallon mixed. You know, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Two strokes, man. That's a whole, whoo, boy. Oh, whole different ball but, game again. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's uh, you know, I could talk about motorcycles forever, and yeah. tell you stories, and and I remember we rolled up in Vegas. We did a suicide run from Colorado to Vegas nonstop. That's hard work, man. Dude, we that is hard work. That uh we made my buddy Smitty and I, we made a bet with somebody. We were out riding on a Saturday, and they go, I and we were kind of in northern Colorado at the time. We were riding up in that area. And they said, I bet you you can't make it to Yellowstone and back in like four days. I was like, Tim, I'm telling you, we we looked at a map and we went, it's only that far. We could yeah. make it. <laughs> oh, we rode so hard, so hard. And we didn't have any luggage because we left. The bet was we had to leave right then. Yeah. And my ex-wife is like, where are you? I go, I think I'm in Idaho. <laughs> 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 but, and, uh, that was so that was fun, man. But we though going back, we rolled into Vegas and we we went to park him in a garage and this young kid come out and we were sunburnt, hadn't washed in two days, <laughs> road grime. And he looked at us, I go, Can you park this? He goes, I don't even know what that is. And I was like, <laughs> I got it, buddy. Don't worry, where you want it? <laughs> he literally pointed and goes, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Okay, dude. All right. I get it. I get it. Oh, but, Yeah. We could go on all night. All day, dude. All day. Yeah. 
Anyway, thank you so much. I've yeah. enjoyed that immensely. Same here, my friend. Same here. You take care. All right, buddy. You too. The Tim Hill Podcasts. Ordinary people's extraordinary stories. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. If you have the time, you can not only listen to the episodes, but you can also watch all the shows and you'll find the links in the description below. Thank you.